What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect podcast. We got a good one for you today. I am Chris Ross. And I'm Wes Bays. And like you said, Chris, we have a great show for everybody today. Lauren Tickner. So, Chris, why did we want to have Lauren on? Because she's awesome. I think I was, I answered that one pretty quick, right? Yeah. She's one, one of the most inspirational people just because not just what she brings to the marketplace and how she delivers it. And maybe it's not just a young age. It's how she wins, man. She yeah. just wins. Some people just win. And that's what this show is all about is winning. Do you have it in you? Do you have a winning mentality or do you have a quit mentality? It's just that simple. Lauren is one of the top ranked entrepreneurs, according to Forbes, in the last couple of years. She has an Impact School podcast, also gives off free trainings. And we actually share something personal, a very competitive advantage that we both share together. And I had no idea that we both shared it until I started looking a little bit more in depth into our content. And we'll share a little bit more with the listeners. Guys, you're in store for a good one today. Wes, what are some things to look out for? Yeah, absolutely. So that, again, it's the, the adversity, things that she had to face. I mean, uh, you know, I, you both having something, you know, that in, in common, I think brought a lot, of, a lot of value. And if all the listeners just listen in for how she uses that, again, as her superpower, you know, as something that helps her be able to get to where she, you know, wants to go and just keeps her motivated and keeps her moving every single day. Right. Let's kick this up about 30 notches. What do you say, Wes? 30 Let's notches? Yeah. Let's kick this up. Let's have some fun. Before I bring on today's guest, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and hit that notification bell so you never miss the fire content we're bringing you every week. If you listen in from your favorite podcast platform, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review letting us know how you're enjoying the show. And as always, follow us on Instagram at The Win Win Effect to stay updated on upcoming shows and get exclusive behind the scenes footage. And lastly, fill out the feedback form and letting us know how you enjoyed our guest today and which guests you would like to see in the future. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the show. Everyone, help me welcome Lauren Tickner to the show. Lauren, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to just share a ton of value with your people today. So let's do this. I'm really excited. It's been a long time coming to have someone that has a, such a deep story and so very inspirational. And if the people don't know much about you, and they should, you don't really need that much of an introduction being you know, one of the top entrepreneurs with, according to Forbes, doing so much, you know, inspirational things with impact school podcast. You're just very inspirational. Just look at it from, from outside looking in. But when you listen very closely to some of your stories or in some of the videos that you do in your content, there's a deep message there. And that's why I'm really excited to have you on. So I thank you so much for coming on the show. No, I appreciate you. And just before we hit record, it was incredible just sharing that connection that we have, right? With your Mm -hmm. background with your, your sister. I don't know if you shared that before. Yeah, I have. I think that's where I've, you know, defined my competitive advantage. And I think that that's something that we share together and we can talk a little bit about that. So I'll kind of give you a little bit more background for the listeners that don't know this. My sister was born handicapped. And when she was, you know, two or three years older than I was when, so they were only supposed to, she was supposed to live until she was four years old, but she doesn't, she didn't understand it. Of course. So that was a great thing for her because I watched her fight her whole life. And she finally passed away around like 17, 18 years old. But when I was in the same crib with her, she was my best friend, pretty much my first friend, you know, and I literally 
had to watch her breathe through tubes and fight her whole life. And when I stopped and took a second later on in life and realized that that was a huge pivotal moment. And when I realized that I have no reason, no excuse not to be great because she couldn't. And I was watching one of your videos and actually gave me goosebumps. I have goosebumps right now. Right. I saw that video and it was about your brother's handicap and because he can't do what he can, you know, what you can do. I mean, we're, we don't, get to choose where we're born, you know, if we're a boy or a girl, we don't, we don't, if we're out in the world, we, we don't, can't choose with all the gifts that, that are just given to us for free. Like you get a heartbeat, you get a voice. Obviously my voice is a little bit hoarse right now, but I'm still going to push through because my sister couldn't. So share a little bit with the listeners about that driving force for yourself. Yeah. So back to what you just said right then, something really interesting that I've sometimes found hard to put into words and I think you summed it up really nicely is that you feel that having grown up with your sister and seeing her breathe through tubes and all of that being handicapped is your competitive advantage and I never really knew how to put it into words right because I know that I have this drive because like your sister my brother's disabled so he has epilepsy autism various other learning disabilities he is in a wheelchair and he needs like two-on-one care at all times and he is fed through a tube like he doesn't talk he says a few words like for example my mum phoned me yesterday and it was so sweet because he had been saying to my mum all day where's lauren where's lauren but he's autistic he'd been like repeating it like again and again and again so we went on facetime <laughs> and then when i was there he didn't say anything because he, he can't but he oh, yeah. was thinking you know where's lauren because he hasn't seen me for months because of this whole quarantine of course and, and so with that i remember just when i was younger people around me we would walk along the street and he'd be in his wheelchair and they'd just be like looking at us giving us these yeah people looks. And i always i'd always it just, it made me so angry. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't change anything. Why are you looking at him? You know, he's another human being. Why are you looking at him this way? And so ever since I was young, cause he's only two years younger than me, but ever since I was young, I've always had this, just everyone is equal, you know? Right, and right. I, I don't understand all of this this stuff you know whatever race you are whatever gender whether you're disabled or not i don't understand i just don't understand why people think differently about i just i don't get it and that's from having seen my brother like that Mm -hmm. so i agree with it being a competitive advantage because seeing someone who can't act how they want to act it's like whenever you feel like you don't want to do something guess what you'll show up and make it happen right and and you, you touched on so many beautiful things that I hope the listeners caught on to. I'm going to touch on one thing if I, if I can, because I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly. The, the one piece of having my sister out in public, I remember this when I was a kid and people would stop and just look and laugh or scoff or whatever, right? And it not just, not when I'm talking about like boils my blood, infuriates me, but I've learned to look at it differently now. That type of experience that I had as a kid, it makes me want to, give you a front row seat to my success and give you popcorn and watch you watch me be successful. Like, you know, fuck you, excuse my language, but you know, like do what you got to do. You know, like you can laugh all you want and do what all you got to do. Cause I've always, I grew up in a world where I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I didn't grow up with a lot of opportunity, but I grew up with a, with a good family. What gave me 
taught me all the small things like work ethic, morals, character. It's all about what you do. Your, the situation and events don't define you. Your character defines you. You are you. And that's yeah. so beautiful the way that you, you know, you talked about that of having that type of experience that I, I pull from that every day. Every single day, it's not a day that goes by that I don't draw from that type of motivation. And it just gives me a burst of energy, especially as an entrepreneur. And that's the thing about, you know, as in you influence so many people out there, you know, and through social media and through different channels, we could talk more about that. Wes, if, for the listeners, is there anything that you really want to bring up and hope the listeners that really grasp just from the beginning of the show, this is going to be yeah. a phenomenal show. I can tell already. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I've, of course, getting into all of Lauren's success and everything that she's doing mm-hmm. and, you know, how she's getting herself out there. That's a great part. But I think where, you know, it, it's that driving force of that competitive advantage and, and motivating factor. Uh, I mean, there's so much to learn from that alone. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of, for us, you know, when we're trying to speak to the listeners. It's, you know, we're trying to enable them to be able to figure out what is their competitive advantage? What is their driving force? Cause for everyone it's different. Uh, you know, but pain I believe is, is one of the biggest driving forces that, you can possibly have. And so, uh, Lauren, if you can touch on how has that impacted you? Like you, you've, you've done so much and I know that you are, you know, a young woman and so, and you've done so much in your time. And so with that motivating factor, that driving force, how has that led you to kind of where you are today? Like, has there been certain pivotal moments that you're like, this is that driving force allowed you to kind of get through to get to where you are now? Well, I think the thing is with our personal unique competitive advantages is that oftentimes we don't realize that they are special until many, many months or years later. Mm. And so all throughout my childhood, having a disabled brother was something that I resented, right? My friends would all be able to go skiing on vacation. We couldn't do that because my brother couldn't possibly ski. You know, he's in a wheelchair. All my friends would be going to these luxury locations. We couldn't go because these places didn't have good hospitals. And so as a child, you know, walking along the street, being laughed at by people, people staring at us, I hated it. But guess what that's has built up for me? That has built crazy resilience, you know? Right. I can walk along the street being an absolute weirdo and I can be on social media saying whatever the heck I want and I do not care what people think about me. I often get asked on podcasts like, hey, Lauren, when you were younger and you were starting out on social media, you know, how were you not afraid about what people thought about you? And for sure I was to a degree, but I kept going because I had gone through all of that and then when I was about 15, 16, I was called Mackie D's because I was marginally overweight for my height and then all of these things make you who you are. What is that? Mackey D's? What is it? Mackey D's, like McDonald's. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was like going through puberty. I had right. like, like yeah. and all that. And it's like. Everyone goes through an ugly phase at one point when you're growing up, right? It's an awkward phase. And so I think just, just backtracking a little bit, like I really believe that everybody has these little things from their past that have been a negative scenario which if they were able to address it, if they just looked at it, even if it's hard, even if it hurts, even if it makes them feel uncomfortable at that time, if they look back and start to think, okay, what's actually happened here? Mm -hmm. How did it affect me? And how has that 
cause the trajectory of my life to be different than what it would have been if it had never happened. And then you can use those things as fuel to move you forward. So going back to your question, how do I feel that this has shaped me? I mean, it is everything, right? Because whenever I feel like I'm struggling, I just think my brother can't do this. So I, I have to do it, you know? And similarly, he hasn't been able to live a life of freedom. And so I feel kind of this sense of this weight on my shoulders. It's not, but I don't see it as a weight, right? I see it as like, I need to live his life for him. Mm-hmm. And while that may sound like kind of heavy, at the end of the day, I mean, I'm grateful that I get to do that. You know, I get to have these experiences on behalf of him. Right. And so I'm doing it like for him, you know. You touched on something you, you get to. Like I, I say this a lot. It's that I don't have to do what I do for a living. I could probably hang it up with the investments that I made. I made some smart choices, you know, of the past couple of years. But I get to do what I do. I get to do what I do. I love what I do for a living. I, if I just can reach one person and let them know, like, listen, you don't have to live in this freaking nightmare, man, or girl, you don't have to live there. Like you're going to have to, for you to be able to tap in your, to your true potential and maximizing all your talents, whatever that is for you and living a better quality of life. And if it means you making hundred K a year or 50 million, that's whatever that is for you. You can do whatever you want. Because it starts, but you have, to, you have to address all the things that you're trying to hide from public. Mm-hmm. And you can't run away. That shit's going to follow you your whole life. Until I was able to go deep inside of my core and realize that, listen, I need to remove this and re-anchor these emotions and put something positive here and change in my perspective. Once I did that, Lauren, I, I became whole as an entrepreneur, whole as a business person, whole in my personal life. And I've had to keep doing this year after year. And, and it starts with my own thoughts. That takes a lot of courage and a lot of vulnerability and being vulnerable. And I think it was when I, you know, my daughter was born. I think that's when a huge point for me, because a pivotal point is I had to go back and re-anchor some other shit that I was dealing with. Because when you get angry, it stems from fear, does it not? You're scared of something. So ask yourself the tough questions. I mean, is that some of the things that you go over in, some, in your impact school, the business that you own and you have a free trial with and can you talk a little bit of listeners about that yeah so for us i mean building your own business and mm-hmm. entrepreneur business owner i think at different stages there's sort of like these points where it either makes or breaks you you know yes. what I mean? so when people are first starting out i find that the thing that is going to make or break them is caring about what people think about you mm-hmm. right then when you get to maybe like 40k per month I think the thing that makes or breaks you is your ability to let go of control. Right? And then <laughs> yeah. beyond that, I'd say there's another sticking point at around like 80 to 90 grand a month, which is whereby it's like you need to work on your inner game, your mm. relationship with money, your just, just you as a whole, your relationships with other people and how you show up as a human being. Because at the end of the day, I just find it so, these sticking points, I see it all the time with so many people. It's always these certain numbers, you know? And that's been really interesting for me because I never realized how important this deep personal work was. I used to be one of those people, I'm like, I'll do as many hours as I need to, I'm going to hustle, all that like Gary Vee type of stuff, you know? Right. Because I have that type of energy, right? Because I love what I do. 
But now I've realized that doing more isn't going to equal more output and it's probably right. going to get worse because then what happens? What happens when I start to overwork? Well, I know that when I overwork, I have less energy to create content, which means that I'm putting out less value on social media. Yep. If I overwork, then I show up as not the type of leader that I want to be for my team. And so I may snap more than I should. Similarly, I start to oversleep and then I start to look at myself and not like how I am. Mm. And that's a really dangerous downward spiral. Right. That's, so a, that's where a lot of entrepreneurs suffer from imposter syndrome is because they hit a, cert, hit a certain level of success and they don't, are not able to sustain that type of level or peak performance and knowing what to do in those moments. Like when I very first started, you know, making the you know, revenue and the capital that I was starting to make. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. But what really helped me is making a lot of money and then losing a little bit of it and then reaching out for help because I didn't know how to structure my organization, structure deals. I learned less is more <laughs> in certain types of situations. I would much rather take a piece of a, your stock or a piece of your company rather than you paying me income because I, I need to get rid of that income somehow and investing into other opportunities because I don't want to get killed by tax, right? So it's, there's, there's so many things when it comes to entrepreneurship that people don't tell you because they're not, they're not going to tell you. <laughs> this is how the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor. You gotta, it's not about the Gary V stuff and you know, Gary V, which is a phenomenal content. But, oh, yeah. No, but, I'm not. Yeah, no, no, no. Of course. It, it, what I'm saying is that that's the motivation piece that it goes away. It's like fairy dust. Yeah. Fairy dust. But you got to find whatever that is for you and, and take that and draw from that to be able to use it as your reserve bank of energy, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it, especially like when you're first starting out, like when you need all of those motivating factors, right? You need that. That's what you need. And as you go on, like when we reach certain levels of our success, it's like, okay, what's now it's you're thinking more objectively about what needs to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And because motivation only goes so far, right. Yes. At some point you just have to become the person that can take on that level of, you know, success essentially. And so for you, Lauren, you know, when you're working with people that are coming in uh, to your impact school, I, obviously you probably use a lot of your story, right. To be able to relate with people and help them. But what, how are you taking them through those stages? Like what's the first thing you're really working with them on as if they're saying, if they're coming in and saying, yeah, I want to get to this point in my business, what are you looking for in that person? Yeah. So we have found that to get to your first, you know, your, to a point where your business is started online because we help people create service-based online businesses, specifically coaches and consultants, right? So sometimes people will come to us and you know when someone's like, maybe they are a consultant, you know, mm -hmm. they run, maybe they're an agency and they're doing everything for someone. We help them mm -hmm. create a done with you model. So for example, like a coaching slash a consulting offer where it allows them to get their time back rather than them constantly doing that one-on-one -on -one very like personal work. So that might be someone who comes to us. Similarly, it might be a personal trainer who wants to build an online business. I started out in the fitness industry. I was never actually an in-person PT. I went straight into online fitness coaching. Honestly, honestly, not because I'm a lazy person, but because I, I don't really like leaving my house. I'm kind of like, <laughs> I'm not an introvert. It's weird. I'm not an introvert, but I kind of am. I think it's called like an ambivert. I've heard of that word. I don't know. Mix but, of both. 
Yeah, I'm one of those people where like I just wanna I just wanna do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. And so that's why I started out online. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like she's like it's a girl version of myself. Like introvert, extrovert. I'm I'm a very social person growing up and like a social butterfly. Now that I've I guess I've gotten older or reaching a certain level of success, like I, I don't wanna do things that I don't wanna do. Like I'm very I would much rather be able to work and read a book or work on certain things to actually make an impact in my life and actually I enjoy rather than doing it for other people. So when I stop doing things for other people, the amiable type of personality and want everybody to feel good, you should come out here. I'm like, yeah, no, no, I should. I should stay home. That's so funny that you talked about that. So Yeah, funny. No, I, I hear you because like, I guess I really realized how much I like doing my own thing. Right was when I was actually working in asset management. But look, I'm not gonna get into that. I worked there for like pretty much a year. I hated every moment, it sucked. I was right opposite the gym, I could see it right just down. I'm a fitness freak. For anyone who's listening, I'm a, I'm a fitness junkie. Like I love working out. And so that's why I started in the fitness industry. And again, that's provided me with that discipline right. in my fitness, you know? But anyway, so <laughs> sort of like backtracking a bit. So. We found that when people just sort of first need to get started, usually in this industry, the coaching slash consulting space, what they're missing is a high ticket offer. You know what I mean? Like they don't have a high ticket offer. They don't have a consistent and predictable way to bring in new leads. And they're really bad at sales, right? right. <laughs> they can just send an email saying, Hey, it's going to be 200 bucks a month. And then someone's going to reply back. And you know what? It's like, okay, that is, okay, I'm not even going to get into it. Because That's a whole other episode right there. That's <laughs> like 10 episodes and so much more. <laughs> so um, it really comes down to those, those first group of people. The main thing they're missing is strategy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Of course, we, need, we do mindset work with them and that's why we give them consistent personal coaching. But for the people at the beginning stages, they need a strategy to follow, to execute. Right. Because I, I seriously believe in the confidence, competency cycle, right? The more mm-hmm. confident you get, so the better at something you get, the more confident you get because mm-hmm. confidence comes with success. You know what I mean? Yes. And so yes. if you can get better at something and actually see results, then you're going to feel confident about it and it just all spirals upwards. And so we kind of like to lay out the strategy for people so that they can follow, execute, and win. Now, for our higher level program, we sort of do like a concierge service type of thing. Mm-hmm. That's when we really will, as soon as someone comes in, the first thing that we do before we like turn the clock on with their actual coaching is we make them do a full on business audit so that we can identify where they're missing opportunity. And then from there, what, what we do is we assign them different projects as and when they need them. Because right. here's the thing that I see with a lot of um, online coaching slash consulting models, and I kind of created this, and I think this is a big lesson for the listeners, okay? Oftentimes, you are your best client. So where were you a few months ago, a few years ago? What would you have needed that would have solved your problem? I was looking for a mentor or a coach, but all I could find was these cookie cutter programs, kind of more for people who are just wanting to first get started or just to learn a specific skill, which makes sense, right? Because, you know, if you're teaching sales, you're going to create a course about sales. If you are teaching online coaching, you're normally going to teach people how to get started with online coaching. And so I didn't really find anything that would actually give my business a full on, you know, audit and 
what I needed as and when I needed it. And so I kind of created that for people who were in that phase where they were really ready to scale. That's good. That's really important that you, you, tell, you, you built something for that very specific model. Yes, exactly. That's the missing ingredient I see in a lot of these cookie cutter programs. And I've been around the block a lot, especially when it comes to education. And this is what Wes and I do for companies. We go inside of companies and corporations and realign their sales process because their sales pro or lack thereof in a lot of cases. People always tell me that they're good in sales until I, until I ask them three or four questions. And I'm like, holy shit, you know nothing about sales. Oh my like, gosh, nothing. You, lo you know nothing about what I do. You know, so I, 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 I love it because if you have different, you know, eras of sales and we're in an information stage right now where people can access information so quickly it's a digital world you know it, but you have to understand you're not selling a product you need to first identify what they're lacking where's the problem where's the where's the you know where's the bottleneck at i mean you don't even know what the hell you're doing yeah right? i mean i i think it's all about the outcome right right what outcome do they want to reach and this is where so many people go wrong because not only are they missing it when they're delivering results to people, but also in their sales and marketing. Because if you don't have a clearly defined outcome, then mm. what's going to end up happening? You're going to start telling people, hey, I'm going to give you two Zoom calls a week. And I'm going to give you this online course. No one cares. Like people don't want the, they don't want the drill. They want the whole, have you heard that? You know, when yeah, someone's yeah, yeah. painting, I love that. And it's so, it's so bloody true. And so, yeah, I think like when it comes to cookie cutter programs, right, there are certain levels where you need that type of thing and it could be a good fit. But I don't think that, <laughs> for example, I'm just thinking about like for our clients who want to start online coaching slash consulting, right? There's a very specific thing that they need to do to do that. But mm -hmm. if we just left them to their own devices and just gave them an online course, we've actually found that it's like 30% of people, they, sorry, out of everyone, they only complete like 30% of the program. And so, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I want people to complete 100% of it. And I want 100% of people to complete 100%, which is why I think it's really important for people to have that like personal hands-on, hands-on help as well. The personal hands-on help, walk me through what does that look like exactly? Well, it depends again, which sort of like level of service people are getting right. help with, right? But ultimately I found that when it comes to getting results, the best thing for people starting out is like a group-based model. Now wow. I didn't even like that because I mean, when I've been in programs in the past, it had kind of annoyed me whereby it's like these specific times show up then and then. But I found that doing the group-based model, I was actually doing some calls yesterday with some, um, of my team who are coaching the clients and they were set they were showing me video recordings of what the clients have been saying about the group based model and they really liked it because they liked that they had heard what the other clients were saying about yeah. their businesses and they were getting ideas and all of these different types of things and i was like oh that's, that's very true but then as well as that i think people need one-on-one -on -one help you know so right. like submitting their work getting feedback on it kind of like at school you know what mm -hmm. i mean like homework and just go, but obviously yeah. instead of homework, it's actually going to be something that generates your revenue. This um, is the, that's one of the reasons for that. I do something very similar when you're looking at group meetings, like group meetings, I can do trainings and it's very general and it's, mm -hmm. but I'm still bringing a certain level of value there. And that's my way of 
weeding out the ones that aren't serious about their future. And I pulled the ones to the side that potentially have a need to want and desire, showing me attitude. They have a great attitude. They're showing me a lot of effort. If they're showing me those two things and they have all the other little components of being successful, then I'll pull them to the side and have that one-on-one attention. So it's something very similar. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, I get what you're saying about, you know, you really didn't like it at first because you want to be able to serve because when you have something to say, you want to help everybody, don't you? It's one of the things that we have problems with of not turning it off. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Exactly. I think like for us, what we found is, you know, giving, well, what we do is we kind of came up with this, we call it an impact offer, right? Which Mm. is why we get our clients and we do it ourselves to create, you know, a product, aka an offer, which takes them to a specific outcome. But then in order to get to that outcome, it's not just an online course, it's an online course, which is like the A to Z. And Mm -hmm. then there's consulting, you know, which is like the personal help, aka giving them their personal action plans, and then also reviewing their work. And then the coaching, which is like the support and guidance to make sure that they're actually sticking to it. Beautiful. And so that's the impact offer. And so that's what we do for our like beginning level clients who just want to get started. But then the people that want to scale, as I mentioned, it's like personal business audit will only give them projects as and when they need them. Because here's the thing. Sometimes people get really excited about, okay, I really want really, really want to run Facebook ads, right? But they're already sat on an email list of like 1,000 people that they haven't mm. even tapped into. You know, woman, I yeah, exactly. Well, or you can just go send out some campaigns, your email list, get them over into your messenger. We're massive with messenger mm-hmm. and then hire a team to be dealing with your messenger so that you can focus on the sales course, something like that. It depends on who the person is. And mm-hmm. so I think like this is where business is, is so sequential that if you have people coming in at all different levels, unless they're at the very beginning, like we have with our beginning level clients, from there, then you can't just be giving everyone the same thing. They need that hands-on support. You right. know? With that hands-on support, and I know that Wes probably has tons of questions with this. I can see his head turning and his gears <laughs> turning right now. But I wanted to touch on this just real quick because I think it's, it's important for the listeners to understand. For people like us having something similar happening to us, you know, with an, something so deep and personal, at a very young age and watching something like that and taking that on and defining our competitive advantage and not accepting anything less than the best from ourselves every single day, because we have it, we get to do what we do. You know, they couldn't. So we get to, how much do you, how much of that do you maybe roll over with your students or people that you're working with individually that do deserve your time? And you'd say, you know what, Lauren, I can't do this does that burn you inside as much as it does me? I'm like, you can do anything you want to. It literally, I, you can't do it for everyone because you, your time is limited. Time is only non-renewable resource. But how much does that come into play within your own, I guess, approach? If you can't do something or if you think that you can't do something, it's not that you actually physically can't. Ultimately, it's that you have something in your head that's holding you back. And I've identified this from watching my brother because he physically can't do something, right? Whereas if I feel like I physically can't run a marathon, you know, for sure, I might start and I might get going and then I might injure myself and not be able to do it physically, you know, which can happen, which did happen to me. (laughs) But at the end of the day, it's like, if I find that clients are coming to me saying, Lauren, I can't do this. 
I know that it's not that they are being lazy necessarily. Oftentimes it's that they have their own mental garbage right. going that they need to deal with. And so at that point, it's addressing that. And mm-hmm. so you maybe can't do it yet, right? Just put yet on the end, deal with mm-hmm. your mental garbage, and then you'll be able to move forward. Yeah. That's a very powerful word. It's only three letters is yet. You put yet on it behind anything that already lets you know that you're going to accomplish it. You just haven't found the right way. Mm-hmm. The right, right? I can't do it yet. And then I also, I get to do it yet and get. Right. right. There we go. <laughs> go ahead and go ahead. With, I know that you have your, your tons of questions that you need to get for the, obviously the listeners as well. Cause I saw that your gears were turning, but I yeah. forgive me for not, I really need to address that because a lot of people don't understand that it's their own shit. They get in a way as their own success completely. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And actually that's actually where I was going to go with it um, is because back when I did coaching like that on, with businesses, or people who are not usually like people, just entrepreneurs trying to become entrepreneurs or becoming coaches. One thing that I saw that they faced a lot of was that, well, one, getting them to actually commit to doing what, you know, they're supposed to do. uh, And so you kind of touched on that as as far as them being blocked. So kind of a two-part question. The first one is, one, how do you get someone to commit to going through this process and staying on track? Uh, And then the second part of that, when do you know, like, how do you make sure that you end that relationship? Because at some point they've invested with you that that relationship has to come to an end unless they're going to keep investing with you. How do you get that client to understand that you need to commit to getting this done? And then this is kind of the end point. I think that'll be really helpful for listeners. When it comes to commitment to making sure that you're showing up to doing something that ultimately, you know, you want to do. I think it really is about knowing why you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And so if you know what your motivating factor is, and if you make sure that every single day you're reminding yourself of that, then I think you're going to follow through. So what we do with our clients is we have them go through this mindset training before they get started. And it helps them identify the type of person that they want to be. Because ultimately the type of person that you want to be well, you already are them. I read this book called The Chimp Paradox. They mm-hmm. talk how you already are the person you want to be. The only difference between you right now and, and you uh, and the type of person that you want to be is the fact that your chimp is hijacking you. That's what the book right. said. And mm-hmm. so it's all about making sure that you can get rid of that chimp. So every single day you can show up to be the type of person that ultimately you want to end up being. And so I think habits and routine allow you so much freedom and while they may sound restrictive they are the best thing that can possibly happen to you and for you right they happen for you because what ends up happening is if every day you know that you get to wake up at 5 a.m so that you can start working on all this stuff that's going to move you forward and get you closer to your goal and if you can turn that into a habit and it's just something that you do every single day because you can, mm-hmm. then it will become something that is just so ingrained in your identity. And so I think in order to ensure that people are committing to the outcome that they signed up for originally with your coaching or your consulting, well, the biggest thing is that you shift and change that identity. And that's the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it really comes down to this mindset work and these habits. And so You may have heard people say that habits take 21 days to form. That's not true. It's the number of times that you do it. So if you're consistently doing something, 
then you will change your identity. Just like how I used to be overweight when I was younger, right? Was I the type of person who ever thought that I'd be a fitness person? No, I hated fitness. I never would have thought, never in a million years, that I would become ultimately an online fitness coach and now help other people build online coaching businesses with a lot of them being fitness coaches. I never would have thought that would actually have been possible. But I changed my identity to say, I am a healthy person. Mm. I am the one that goes to the gym and I essentially wrapped my vision of myself in being that. And so through then, I mean, I got like three new pairs of Adidas trainers down there because I just bought them. Sorry, should I say Adidas? And it's like (laughs) everything I do is like, I am just like a fitness person. You know what I mean? And so, but I never thought that would have been the case. And only through changing my identity did I able to change my commitment to something. Similarly, when starting my business, I saw myself becoming a successful entrepreneur. I wasn't right. a successful entrepreneur yet at all. But I, it really started for me through getting in a community of people who were. And I wasn't part of that community yet, right? Yet. Mm-hmm. I followed them. I consumed their content. I learned from them and I implemented what they were doing. So it really comes down to finding someone who's in a position where you want to be, emulating what they're doing, simultaneously doing everything you can to change your identity, to be more like the vision of yourself where you want to get to. And so how do you change your identity? You change your habits and you change the things that you surround yourself with. And for you, Lauren, I mean, what kind of like when you're working with a client, what are some of those habits that you can share with the listeners that you know, changing them allows you to be able to get that clarity or get that, you know, get to where you want to go? I think that everyone is very, very different. Okay. Now it can be really, it's, it's so different. Okay. Here's a couple of examples because I think that a big reason why people don't get to where they want to get to is because they aren't able to stick to doing something that they say they're going to do. For example, Let's say you're someone who overeats at night and every single day you say in the morning, I'm not going to overeat tonight. And then you do it. And then you wake up in the morning, say, I'm not going to overeat tonight. And then you do it. Well, essentially you're lying to yourself every day because you say you're not going to do it. And then you end up doing it, which means that there's this disconnect between the type of person you want to be and the type of person that you're being. And also you're not, staying true to yourself right Right. every single day you're lying to yourself which means that when you commit to other things in your life you know that oh if you don't do it nothing's gonna happen you're gonna wake up in the morning again and say that you'll give it a go again tomorrow Mm -hmm. and while i think it's a nice idea to want to be able to give it a try again tomorrow and give yourself that grace Ultimately, if you keep doing it, that's when it just becomes a bad habit. You know what I mean? And so I think it really does come down to identifying for you what are the things that when you wake up the next morning, you look back on the day before and say, oh, I did that bad thing again. And Mm -hmm. I guess saying bad is a bad word for that. It's just a maybe what are the things that you're doing that aren't moving you forward or that you're maybe like regretting a little bit. Right, Right. absolutely. And so, and because, uh, so one question I want, or wanted to kind of get your thoughts on as well is a lot of times with habits, like for example, like you talked about overeating at night, I used to have the same habit. 
So what I started doing was right after dinner, so I eat dinner right around 6 p.m., I would go through and I I brush my teeth. I would do all that, right? Because now it's like, because I don't, you know, I don't want to have to go and do all that again, right? So yeah. how much is kind of changing habit has to do with not allowing, you know, not trying to just rely on willpower, but setting an environment for yourself oh, it's for everything. you to be able to change those habits. Yeah, it's everything. I mean, I think that's why it really is a case of, is this whole identity shift, you know? If right now you're working in a full-time job and you're kind of happy, maybe you're kind of complacent, which I think happens to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. They get complacent because they don't know what they're missing out on because opportunity cost is the biggest cost of it all. But people don't realize that because they aren't living what could be. They're living what is. A lot of it is exposure. A lot of it is exposure. Once you're exposed to something new or something different, then you're like, holy shit, I didn't know that was possible. I can't go back now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. That's, that's exactly it. And so I think it's, uh, sorry, I forgot what your original question was, but <laughs> yeah. I uh, It was beautiful because I think that's where a lot of people don't understand how can they realign and, and not having a negative habit or self-sabotage. I mean, how much self-sabotage do you, I mean, you, when you're lying to yourself, that's what's really happening. You're, you're trying to hide it from somebody or suppress it. Some way down the road, you're going to have to come to terms with who you really are. Don't let it define you. Even if you've done some bad things in your past and you've, you talked about the bad things, you know, like you're eating or it could be anything in your life, whatever, you have to address it and own it. Like own that shit and forgive yourself first. That's the only way you're going to heal. Only way. And once you're able to take that on wholly, you can be impactful for other people. Because I see a lot of these, I wouldn't say, I don't want to call them fake entrepreneurs, I guess entrepreneurs out there that it's a facade. They're, they're trying to be somebody they're not and they're not, they're, they're trying to be, I guess you would say, come across a certain way with their image that they're that successful. And the more that I meet these people, it makes it, it actually motivates me to do what I do in a capacity that I do it. It just, it literally drives me insane. But I know that this conversation going forever and, you know, I know that you have a lot to do today and Wes, you know, we we're so happy to have you on. I'm very fortunate and very grateful for the most part. Like how can our listeners find more about you? And, you know, find more about your impact school, you know, podcast. I mean, you, know, you pretty much just Google or I think you probably know everything you need to, but how can our, how can our listeners find you? Yeah. So impact school is the name of the podcast. So it's I M P A C T and then school S C H O O L. And so that's probably the best place. If you're listening to a podcast, definitely go check that one out. And then, yeah, whatever platform you like the best, just head over to that one, type in Lauren Tickner, and then just drop me a message to let me know that you tuned in here. But I also think it could be really, really cool. Um, I love hearing what people's biggest takeaway was. So Mm -hmm. maybe for everyone listening to this, I'm guessing you're probably also trying to make sales, build a brand, whatever. So I'm, I'm guessing you post to social media, even if not, then one thing that could be cool is just make a story, right? Let us know what your biggest takeaway was because then you're sharing value with your people, right? Tag us. So again, mine's just Lauren Tickner and then I'll be sure to share it because I love knowing what people's biggest takeaway was from a podcast episode. And similarly, then you're more likely to remember something if you try to teach it back to your audience. And so I think then at that point, it'll be really, really valuable for both you, your audience, and then obviously we can share it as well. So you'll get in front of our audiences too. I think that's really important in what you just said, because a lot of people, they don't, 
they say they want feedback, but they only want the good feedback. You know, yeah. I mean, you got to own both of it as an entrepreneur, or even if you're in your own personal brand. I want to know, I mean, it's all about developing the right amount of value for your listeners, audience, whoever's following you, but just kind of live by the code of doing things the right way. And that thing, that's where, you know, of course, that's what the name of the podcast is, is the win-win effect. It's both sides. The customer's not winning. The buyer's not winning. If they're not winning, then we're not winning. You have to win on both sides and understanding you're doing it morally and ethically and goes in with your core values. Just to wrap up and put a bow on this, this is a beautiful episode for the listeners. And I hope you guys got a lot of value from this. What are you inspired by these days? Like just leave the listeners with that. Like what kind of topic or idea or person you're kind of fascinated by that drives you now? Yeah. So right now I'm really obsessed with learning how to acquire businesses. So that's what I'm learning about at the moment. I think for me that really is the next step. So that's sort of like a big thing. And then a little thing, copywriting. (laughs) I (laughs) love copywriting. I don't know what it is. Like I just is a weird obsession. (laughs) But I think like if I was doing something different, I'd probably be, you know, those like really nerdy copywriters who you just see doing all these seminars, like these kind of, they're normally old men. <laughs> like that is literally me and the life. Yeah. <laughs> the copywriters today do the same thing. It's like cookie cutter. We had a copywriter at one point and then we've had, went through a couple different ones and I'm, I looked at Wes one day and I was like, man, I'm a better copywriter than this shit. This is awful. You know? And me too. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's probably my secret talent. I can't lie. But that's because I've been writing Instagram captions since I was 16. <laughs> right, yeah. You know what I mean? So I've, yeah. been, I've been doing it for just so long. And yeah. <laughs> that's something that we can definitely have a conversation about later. I'm sure that, you know, you're obviously you being in London, we'll meet up, have a cup of coffee or something, you know, soon. And, yes. you know, Wes, I mean, anything that we missed out, I mean, this is a great episode for the listeners. Just a reminder all the listeners, uh, follow Lauren. It's Tickner, T-I-C-K-N-E-R. Follow her on any, any platform that you, uh, that you like. So Lauren, thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you guys for having me. It's been awesome.